0: Welcome to Teacher Tales, a podcast from the spirit of teaching. This is your host, Linda Markley, and I invite you to join me and my guests as we get curious, explore, discover, and learn more about what is really at the heart of teaching. In each episode, we will hear the story of a teacher, what called them to teach, what are their greatest joys and challenges in teaching, what inspires them and what are their hopes, dreams, and vision for the education of children. We will learn more about the greatest lessons they have taught and also the greatest lessons they have learned. No checklists, no standards, no reports, no paperwork, and no data. Just stories from their hearts to our hearts on a journey to celebrate what really matters in the true spirit of teaching hi everyone and welcome to teacher tales today my guest is a very special guest she's very famous Um, her name is jennifer and she's from pennsylvania and i actually found her through a reuters article and she agreed to do this podcast because she has a lot of insight and wisdom and that's why reuters reached out to her so she's going to tell us a little bit about herself
1: hi jennifer Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you offering uh, to sit with me today and and I'm excited to be here. So thank you. Um, My name is Jennifer Lundberg. I am a seventh grade language arts teacher at Parkland School District in uh, the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania. Um, And whenever people ask me what I teach. I, I obviously what they want to hear is elementary school or a grade level or a content area. Um, but I always like to say to them, I teach kids, um, because really the kids are, um, the focus for me. Uh, obviously I love my content. I love literature. I love poetry. I love, um, gr- I even love grammar. I'm one of those crazy people. Um, but, uh, I really, the kids are my focus and I absolutely adore them. Um, so seventh grade is, is one of those ages too, that when people ask, um, what level I teach and I say middle school, they go, Oh God, <laughs> you know, I'm so sorry. You know, I said, Oh, why? You know, I, I, I love my job because it's such a pivotal age for kids where they still are little kids in so many ways, but then they turn on a dime and they, they want to be adults and treated like adults, um, and they're just really figuring themselves out and who they are as people, and it's perhaps one of the first glimpses of them breaking away from maybe the the confines and the the um, you know the the shackle, I don't want to say shackles, but like the, the way in which their family thinks and acts and want, and things that they, they, they believe, and they're looking at the world through a new lens and they're able to think on a level, which is exciting for them, um, to form their own opinions about things, which is so neat. So that's why I love this age level. So I've been doing it for quite some time. And I, I plan to keep going for as long as I have it in me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> which this
0: last year was really a big test for that, right?
1: <laughs> yes, for it everyone. was. Definitely. I think for everyone. Yeah, yeah across the for board. For everyone. Definitely. So,
0: um, I, like I said, I found out about you because I read as much as I can to keep up with things and be out, you know, among teachers and helping teachers. And I saw an article in Reuters that was talking about, you know, the critical need for uh, counselors, more counselors and support for all of the mental health or uh, awareness of anxiety and depression that is in the schools during the pandemic, but it really kind of existed before. I used to travel with students to foreign countries because I was a language teacher. And I used to have to have a list of their medications. And I was really surprised when I would ask that how many of the kids were on anti-anxiety medications. And so I had, and that was over 20 years ago. So it's not Something new, but I think it's something more prevalent, and it's become- we become more aware of it uh, Definitely. so um so I know in in Reuters, I really love that um they, one of the the quotes from there said, with her own teenage daughter suffering from bouts of depression and anxiety brought on by the pandemic, the veteran teacher saw evidence all around her of the urgent need for mental health support for young people. I think a lot of teachers are feeling that and a lot of parents are feeling that. So I think you have a lot of insight, a lot of, um, a lot of wisdom to share about that. So you you wanna tell us a little bit about the Reuters article and-
1: Definitely, yeah. Um, so our school district was contacted by uh, Reuters to be interviewed um, based on, I guess they did some digging uh, beforehand um, and they were really focused on how kids have been impacted throughout this pandemic and um, what school districts are doing across the nation to rise to the occasion and to support these kids. Um, you know, it it struck me uh, when I looked out at my sea of faces this year, both in the classroom and on my computer, that the kids were so quiet. Their, their masks prevented them from feeling, I guess, free to talk so much. And they just, it added to their sense of isolation in a lot of ways. And I saw kids struggling in so many different ways. Um, Kids who typically would be very bubbly and very um, excited to share homeroom time, I have a very loose environment in my homeroom. I play music and I, the kids usually sit around and talk and play cards and I have games in my room and it's just a time for them to relax in the morning and enter into their day in a, in a healthy, calm way, um, and infuse some fun and some conversation. They were absolutely silent. They had to sit in rows. They were not near allowed near each other. Um, and this were, this were, they were all things to keep them safe, right? I mean, we had to do it. We did, especially in the beginning, we didn't know as as much as we know now about how the virus spreads and so forth. Um, so all of that added to this just overwhelming cloud that I feel like settled over some of my students. Um, and even though it wasn't necessarily spoken about and we didn't um, harp on it or, or make it a focus in any way, the kids felt it. They felt that heaviness every single day of how different everything was and all the things they were missing out on. Um, and seeing that um, was very concerning. So when Reuters contacted the district and asked us um, if we would like to be interviewed, um, they wanted a kind of a personal story from someone who was um, a parent who had a child who was really impacted by the isolation and and just the, really the anxiety brought on by the pandemic. Um, and my daughter did struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Um, we did uh, take our kids out of school and move them to fully online around the holidays just because we were nervous about transmission to grandparents and so forth. Um, so she was out of school for about three months, and we saw a great change in her behavior overall, uh, which was scary. Uh, this is a very peppy girl who's very animated and excited to hang out with friends and talk all the time, and and uh, she is not at a loss for words. She must get that from me. So uh <laughs> seeing her not want to get out of bed and not turn assignments in and not show up for her classes online and just sleep all the time. Um, she really went, she really suffered from, you know, being on her own and being completely responsible for her own learning as well. Um, and I think that was true of a lot of kids. Um, the Reuters, uh, both the photojournalist and the Um, journalists who came in to interview us. They were wonderful and um, made the kids feel very comfortable. And they were really interested in getting to the root of um, the different variety of issues that we're seeing with kids emerge at this time. Uh, And one of the things I talked to them about was the fact that we in this environment were expecting kids to function as adults. They were solely responsible when they were at home. Many of their parents worked. Many of their parents were relying on them to help with younger siblings while they worked. Um, Many of them had multiple people in the same house um, trying to all be on on the internet at the same time. And we were expecting these kids to navigate these uncharted waters with expertise right off the bat. And they were responsible for navigating all of the different learning apps and all of the different learning programs and getting all of their due dates sorted out with little to no interaction in the beginning, um, with a live person. Um, our school district was quick to jump on that. Thank goodness. And, and offer live streamed classes, um, you know, from October on, so that really helped a lot um, because I was able to connect with every single student every single day, as long as they were able to hop on my Google Meet. And even though it was through a computer screen, it was better than nothing. Um, So the kids were just, there was such a variety of issues and um, concerns that were cropping up across the board for these kids.
0: You brought up so many great points there. And and I I know a lot of adults that couldn't handle what we were asking kids to handle you know, I mean, juggling all of those things. And the isolation part, I mean, kids are social creatures by nature. Some are introverts, you know, some are are more extroverted. And I think your daughter is one of three, right? You have triplets. Yes, yes. I have.
1: I have 14 year old triplets. Yes.
0: And so they Are different. Each one of them is different. You have that great perspective and those lenses to look through to say not every kid is the same and not every kid is going to handle things the same way, even though genetically they may even be very similar.
1: Yeah, they couldn't have been, they are honestly as different as the days long. Um, From day one, uh, from the days of the NICU, they have been very different. Um, My daughter is definitely the more um, social, uh, typical teenager girl kind of social animal. Um, And my one son thrived with the online online learning. He's very, um, matter of fact, he's very succinct. He is very task-driven. He will look at um, a screen and be able to immediately decipher exactly what he's seeing and know what his due dates are. And sometimes without even writing things down, just accomplish things with expertise in a very fast pace, which blows my mind because I am not that way. I am more global thinker. I'll look at something and be like, let's consider every possibility about this. And that's how my other son is. Um, he, My other son is uh, also on the spectrum and, and has some, some challenges in that way. Very smart, but we actually uh, requested four days a week for him moving back uh, when the kids came back uh, to school because, and it was such a difference just going from two days a week, hybrid schedule to four days a week, the difference in his personality and in his mood. And in, he, he, he said the one day we were going to keep him home. He had allergies and a cough. And I said, I don't know, I feel weird about sending you to school with a cough. And he said, but mom, I have to go to school because I get help there. And just having that connection with the teachers every day and seeing his fellow students every day. And for a student who struggles socially, um, he was out of practice, quite frankly, with how to interact socially. And we saw a lot of regression. And it's not just in my own son. It's in I see that with my students here, too. They forget how to be in a group. They forget how to speak to one another. Um, They forget how to take turns like all of that seems you know, like common sense to us as adults, but kids need practice. I mean, they really do need practice with those socialization skills and they have really been stripped down, not completely, you know, we've tried to do what we can. We have breakout rooms in our Google meets and things like that and try to get the kids to coordinate and to communicate, but it's awkward. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas if they're sitting in front of each other, the conversation happens organically. They joke around with each other. Um, the body language is different. They can pick up on those things, but for kids, especially who have learning issues or who, um, you know, might have other things going on and they need that constant reinforcement. That's something that, um, you know, that we're happy that hopefully next year when we can move into a five day a week setting that we can rebound from, because I think these kids need it.
0: Something I've heard throughout the podcast, a common thread is the whole relationship piece. And yes. if you're isolated, you, it's really hard to keep that relationship going. I mean, my husband and I had a long distance relationship and it was really a lot of work. And a lot of times we look back on it and say, how did we ever survive? Sure. You know, where we had long distance, where he was traveling around the world, you know, using the merchant Marines. And um, so it, it's really hard. And then the other thing about, you know, that what you said is about practice. When I retired... I really struggled because I became isolated and I didn't have interaction. And I would go out into public places and be over, because I'm a highly sensitive person anyways, but then I, I was used to getting my energy from the kids and being with the kids. And then all of a sudden I'm isolated at home all by myself and I'm not getting that energy or that interaction. And so I would go out even to the grocery store and my senses were like hypersensitive you know and, yes. and i could get overwhelmed easily and i was like what the heck is going on here i'm a very mature woman here and i didn't be able sure. to handle this and i i had to i had to practice it again and yes. just go out in little bits and pieces and and now and with do, the pandemic it's the same thing
1: i agree i, I do see. think that this is something that um, as teachers, we're going to need to really stay mindful of moving into next year. Uh, you know, the quiet has been nice on one hand where they, they aren't as talkative and there haven't been as many discipline issues and, and so forth, but the, fact that many of these kids when they get into that heightened state when they are overwhelmed whether it's feelings of anxiety or just it's too loud or there's too much commotion or oh my god now I have a locker and I have to manage that and I haven't had that in 2 years um you know all of those things that used to be just kind of routine we're going to have to relearn those routines and it's going to be overwhelming for kids and so i think we're really going to need to keep in mind that These kids, when, when kids get overstimulated sensory wise, that can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. They can get edgy. They can, you know, kind of flip out a little bit. They can, um, be very silly for no reason. They can, you know, do inappropriate things and they, it's almost like they don't mean it. They just need an outlet because they are so overloaded. So, um, we're looking into uh, kind of re-implementing a lot more mindfulness next year. I would like to kind of start my day with some mindfulness exercises to get the kids, you know, ready for their day. Um, And it's something that we're already talking about as a team uh, to implement for next year, some ideas that we would like to, you know, to put into place for the kids um, just right from the get-go so that they can know that it's okay if you feel this way. And, um, you know, you, you actually do have, some control over how to manage that. Um, One thing I have to tell you that our district, I just found out about this story. A friend of mine went into an elementary classroom and she was going in to meet with another teacher. And she almost bumped into this little boy who was in a hurry to leave the room. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. And he said, that's okay. I need a break. My amygdala is firing. I'm going to go take a break. And (laughs) I, she just looked at him and she said, what? And, you know, she was hysterical because she said, she went into the classroom teacher and said, you're never going to believe what this little boy just said. He's in second grade. And the, apparently there's a program um, that our that our um, district has implemented from the um, Goldie Hawn Foundation. And um, it is really cool because it teaches the kids the parts of the brain and what they do and allows them to have some ownership over not only it's okay that I feel this way, but also I do have control to manage how I feel. I I don't I can I don't have to control my emotions. My emotions are what they are, but I have control over managing and putting into place some some practices and some strategies to, for how to manage. How i'm feeling and i think that that is awesome so if they're teaching that at as such a young age it's something that we want to continue um kind of reiterating and talking to the kids about through middle school and through high school i think it's so important
0: i love that i love that story and and mindfulness i'm really into that and also you know the spirit of teaching i've got a lot of resources there um and social emotional learning is now starting to come up. And I had a, a Zoom webinar earlier, and it was talking about, we're going to incorporate more social emotional learning into, you know, our curriculum and everything. And somebody said, well, what does that look like? And they were like, I don't know, but we're going to figure it out, <laughs> you know, because they know that it's needed. And yeah, I mean, anytime. I always knew the affective domain was such an important part of the learning process and the relationship piece. But I figured that out on my own because I'm, like I said, highly sensitive and I just approached it the way I would approach it and tried to be empathic about things. But you know, so many people, especially when you know you're in a situation as a teacher where you're trying to deliver content, and what you said about emotions and managing emotions if the teacher were to realize that if they could help that child manage their emotions or even like ask what other choice could you make here instead of the choice you're currently making and what other outcome could it be just raising that awareness but I think they look at it as this kid's acting out it's a behavior issue and I need to have a behavior plan I need to have a behavior you know a ladder or whatever and it's that's not the way to approach it. And I volunteer right. a lot in my daughter's classroom now, and she has fourth graders. And there's a lot of anxiety. And her, li- her classroom library has become full of many books about how to get in touch with your feelings and how to uh, manage them and how to talk to other people and be kind and all of that. Because so we were talking earlier about The stigma about even the phrase mental health instead of calling it anxiety, depression. Um, And then, you know, it's always been this stigma about mental health. But also, I know people that when you say emotions, they're like, oh, emotions. There's no need for that in the classroom. Emotions, not logical, because schooling has always been linear, left brained, you know, logical, sequential.
1: And so, right, things we can measure. Yeah. Yeah. We want things where we, people are more comfortable with things they can measure. Hence, yes. you know, a million data meetings right in school. Um, but what you can't measure ever is the value of and, and really what you get back when you tune in to who the child is. Um, and when you make them feel important and when you make them feel heard, um, that can't be measured. You know, I mean, when you have a kid who has no food in the house, has not eaten breakfast nor dinner the night before, um, whose parents were fighting on the way into school, who's unsure, who's even picking them up from school. And then you want them to, you know, attend for, and be consistent, you know, in, in their lessons, um, you have to make sure that that kid feels loved and heard. Mm-hmm. And that relationship piece is to me, the crux of teaching. I mean, without that, um, I mean, the kid might as well just be watching a video on YouTube and learning because there's no, there's no connection, you know? Um, and when I, when you make connections with students like that, the things that I learn, even just from doing Monday morning check-ins, I call them, we have celebration. We cel- have, um, we share celebrations and struggles. So I tell them, you know, share, a celebration or a struggle. Now, pre-COVID, I would have them put it on a sticky note and put it on the front board. And if they wanted to share something publicly, they put it on the front of the sticky note. And if they wanted to share something privately, they put it on the back. And I would always tell them, if you want me to check in with you, put a little check mark, you know, um, and I will have a private check-in with you. And the things that I learned, especially on the, the hidden side of the sticky note about my students um, were game changers. Uh, you know, you've, uh, I'm sure you've heard that, that common phrase that when a kid misbehaves, um, it's, it's what is behind the behavior a lot of times will break your heart, you know? Um, and so I stopped really kind of years ago, I kind of stopped yelling and stopped, um, getting on kids cases. And instead, if a kid acts up, I'll ask to speak with them privately. And I'll just say, tell me a little about what's going on with you right now. And, and just even that phrase, um, in a calm tone of voice, um, letting them know that I care about them nine times out of 10, the the things that they tell me are, are things about frustration and, and upsetment and things that we can help navigate, help them navigate through. Um, I don't think anything good comes of just, you know, unleashing on a kid. Um, I mean, yes, Behaviors sometimes do need to be corrected and there do need to be consequences. That's part of the world. But I also think that letting them know that, you know, we care deeply about them and want them to be successful in every realm of their life, not just academically, is, is hugely important.
0: Yeah, that whole what we were talking about, the humanity in the classroom. Yes. You know, we're human, they're human. Love your bit emoji on your your email where it says, how can I support you?
1: Oh. <laughs> that is was so
0: wonderful. I saw that and my heart just jumped for joy. I was like, every teacher should have that right. signature. Like, how can I support you? Every well, administrator in, should do. Because <laughs> right. He, right. Yes. That like, Absolutely. instead of being told, you should be doing this and this and this. I, you, I can't check this box now because I right. did evidence of it. Instead, how yeah. can I support you? Yeah, so. it's
1: important. And I, you know, parents are doing the very best they can this year. And I have had parents, you know, who have emailed me or called me, or we've been on a Google meet and they have just looked right at me and said, I can't do anymore at home. I, we are tapped out and I get it. Um, because as a parent, I, I totally get it. I think, um, there's, you know, exhaustion that comes from, uh, just navigating these unprecedented times, uh, just being in them, you, you know, nothing special has to happen. No crisis has to happen. Just being a, a human who is a feeling human being in these time ta- in this time period of, um, uncertainty and, you know, um, health issues is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that we need to, you know, give that uh, some weight and some recognition. And I've told parents, listen, you know, there, there's no way that your child will fail this year. I will make certain of that. You take care of you and you be mom at home and I will take care of the schooling at school. Uh, because they're doing everything that they can. I mean, they're trying to keep their jobs, many of them, um, you know, I mean, we've had a lot of situations with parents who, because of the pandemic, you know, there's not as many resources financially and it's, that's frightening and it adds to the stress level of the home as well. So anything we can do to support, to be in a, a role of support is, is I think good for them.
0: You know, the pandemic at the end of the year, uh, you know, teachers are like, oh my gosh, this is the hardest year ever. I've taught for a long time, but this was the most difficult year. And you know, uh, there's an expression in Spanish that I used to use with my kids. And it's like something along the lines of there is no bad that happens that good doesn't come from it. And that is the pandemic and what what we have learned from the pandemic is that there is a great need for this social emotional learning. It has been a trauma for everyone. And so now we're talking about trauma-informed instruction. Mm -hmm. And it's also shown us that we do need to see every child in their individuality, their diversity, and their special needs, each one of them, even if they don't have a 504 or whatever. Right. And then I think we've had a window to, into their world at home, kind of like your little sticky note, the reverse side.
1: Definitely. You
0: used to ask that and a lot of teachers didn't. And I think it was shocking for them to be in a Zoom meeting and see and hear and feel.
1: Yes. Everything that was going on on the backside of that. Sticky. Absolutely. And you could see it. I mean, you mm-hmm. could, you could, you know, we gave the kids the opportunity to blur their backgrounds if they wanted to. Um, some of them asked me special permission to keep their camera off um, for a variety of reasons. And, you know, something you said struck me there, you know, about There's no bad that happens. What was that phrase that you just said? Because I wanted to remember it. There's no bad that happens. There's no bad
0: that happens that good doesn't come from it. I
1: love that. I absolutely love that because I feel like, and I just talked to my students about this the other day. I said, you know, yes, this has been a trauma for all of us. It's been hard, but think of how resilient you are. I said, you amaze me. I said, did you ever think, and I started talking about all of the things that they have just been doing. I mean, just like they just did it because they're awesome and they're resilient and they're warriors in my mind. And I said, even things like, you know, you don't have a locker this year, you're carrying around a heavy book bag. Did you complain once? No, it's just reality. It's what you did. Um, you, you know, only came to school two days a week. You took care of your younger siblings at home. You, um, you know, helped your mom out a little bit more. You were worried about parents and grandparents, and yet you didn't let it break you. Like it was, it's amazing how resilient and how, how just incredible these kids are. They just do it. They keep showing up every single day and they keep just warrioring on. They, they, I told them, I said, you guys are absolutely my idols. I said, you, you have no idea how this is going to change your life. Mm-hmm. It, it is hard. Many of you have had hardships that I can't even imagine. Um, you know, deaths in the family and so forth, like real heart-wrenching things that you've gone through. It is life-changing, yes, but it will change you forever in a positive way because look where you are. You, you're still doing it. You're still showing up every day. You're still not giving in. Um, and that's some, there's something to be said for that. I think this really builds that sense of, if we, if we capitalize on that, we can build the sense of community just from that. Um, just from making them realize that you're part of something. You are part of this generation of kids that went through something that we have not been through since forever, and you did it, and here Mm -hmm. you are. Like, you're coming Mm -hmm. out on the other side. And how amazing will it be when you can have a birthday party and have a sleepover with 20 kids. You know what I mean, like mm-hmm. it's, it's gonna happen. Like you guys have made it through this now. It's something that you can be proud of and look back on and was like, that was hard, but I did it. You know, and, and I think that there's value in that. There's value in celebrating those things.
0: And learn to appreciate it more because a lot of times we take it, you know, we take those things for granted and you, you use the word warrior several times. And what popped in my brain was you are going to become the Glennon Doyle for kids. Like you're a warrior. You are a warrior. (laughs) She's my favorite.
1: She's my, I read her all of her things and listen to her podcast as well. So yes, yes, yes.
0: And, and, and I was like, yes, she's like, she's channeling Glennon Doyle. Yeah. The kids were warriors. Everybody was a warrior. Yes. And I just recently did a, cause I send out a newsletter and thank you for signing up for it. Oh,
1: uh, certainly. Yes. Newsletter. I love it.
0: And I always have a little like love note to the teachers. Cause it's really for everybody. It's a little spirit spark to just be positive and get that passion going for everybody. Like, yes, I can do this. I can keep going. And I said something about that. Like you might've felt like you were in a war. I did it for Memorial day. You mm-hmm. might've felt like you were in a war this year, but you need to honor what you've been through and yes. take what you've learned from it and build from there and not focus on remembering all, you know, remembering all the bad times or remembering all the mistakes or all the frustrations right. or whatever. What, again, there's not anything from bad that you can't take to good right. so, and build and on it.
1: I think that um, we were talking earlier about, you know, part of that is um, taking a moment um, to allow yourself to maybe, you know, admire the problem, but then thinking to yourself, okay, you know, as a teacher, even, you know, we talked about that, um, managing your own emotions as teachers, we need to do that too. You know, we need to take some time for ourselves and say, okay, you know, if this is really hard for me and if I'm stuck, we need to go talk to someone too. I mean, you know, the kids deserve that. Um, and I'm really happy with the way my district is providing opportunity, more more resources and opportunities for the kids to do mindfulness, um, to learn about their brains in that way, to uh, they give them access to um, additional counselors, um, you know, partnering with a hospital for more mental health care. Um, I love that, but I think we need that for teachers. Uh, I, I have a couple teacher friends right now who, you know, we all share with each other that if you're stuck, then take a minute for yourself and, and set up those boundaries, like you said, and, and, you know, make sure that you have your best interests in mind because we're not machines and we have to take care of ourselves as well and make sure that we're doing what's right for us. Um, and if that means that we need to move forward and, and celebrate what we've been through by kind of taking care of our own mental health, um, then I, I think that that's something that, to keep in mind you know, as teachers, especially considering this past year uh, mm-hmm. that we've been through, we can celebrate the fact that we are getting through it. Absolutely. But we also need to be mindful of the fact that sometimes we need a little more self-care than we allow ourselves. Yes.
0: Yes, absolutely. I saw something that you said um that you uh one of your favorite roles is singing in a take a stand band you want to talk about that because i love the theme behind it and definitely i think that the as you reveal it people will make the connection to the whole anxiety and depression and stuff that's where it comes for 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 anyone but especially young kids uh, yeah. as far as like, what's causing a lot of this anxiety and depression. So you want to talk about your um, definitely take a sand band?
1: So the Take a Stand band uh, was created six years ago um, here at Orfield Middle School. Um, We have an anti-bullying kickoff day. Um, It used to be in September. Next year, we moved it to October to give us a little more practice in the beginning of the year. Um, But there's a lot of things. It's not just the the rock concert that we put on for the kids that I'm a part of. Um, But the Take a Stand band is a a teacher-led, band, rock band. Uh, We are very fortunate to have some very musical people in our building, Um, guitar players, drummers, bass player, vocalists. Uh, I'm one of the vocalists and I love doing this for the kids. So we put on a little rock concert for them because of COVID we haven't been able to do it and you know we didn't do it last year. Um, But uh, they love it and it has a very positive message. Um, the entire day is built on teamwork. We have the morning set up where the kids do um, like problem solving activities, group activities together. Uh, it's outdoors. So they do like this activity where they have a hula hoop and they all ha- hold hands and they have to see who can, which group can get through the hula hoop, but you know, qu- more quickly. Um, it's just all team building activities for the kids. Um, because they need to make connections with each other. And it's important that they make those connections and have some fun with each each other uh, early in the year so that they can, you know, be like, oh, you're the one who's in my group doing this, that, and the other. And they form these, maybe not a full-blown friendship, but connections. Um, And so then we have the rock concert for them. uh, And the whole theme of the day is anti-bullying. And uh, it's like a kindness crusade is actually what we're changing it to this, this coming year. Uh, And this coming year, we're going to have um, the Kindness Crusade opened up to the public, I guess, uh, and we're going to be doing another concert for the public as well at the at the high school. So that should be fun
0: yeah that sounds great you're having a rock concert and, and we were talking earlier about allentown in the first because yeah. that's where you are and i was like billy joel so you should have him come oh i would love that your concert so billy joel here's your invita- invitation there you
1: go that would be awesome
0: yeah but that is that's that's great i love that the yeah. kindness crusade because kids just learn by what they see from adults and building those connections in the community um it goes such a long way. One of the most powerful things that I ever did during a pre-planning in a school, our um, administrators put together, uh, and I'm putting this out here as an idea for all schools to do this. They put on um, like chart paper all around the room and they had all the students' names on the chart paper. I mean, which is like, I don't know, 1200 kids. That was a lot of names to write, but they, they invested in that and they put the names wow. on there and they had every teacher go up and put a hashtag or you know, like a code of how, if they knew the student or how well they knew the student. So it was like even a rating. And afterwards we looked at how many kids didn't have any marks beside them. And those are the kids that are the most prone to bullying, the most Absolutely. prone to anxiety and depression. And it was an eye opener and a heart opener. And so many teachers that I'd seen kind of be those hard-nosed teachers that were a little armored up and like, no, behavior in my class and you will not be emotional. And, and no, sure, no, they melted. They were like, oh, wow, Gosh, I was totally not aware that this child that I... Now I remember this child, they sat in the back of the class, they didn't say anything. Sometimes they just didn't show up for class for many days. And that manifested in Zoom during the pandemic too. Yes,
1: definitely, definitely. And that's one thing that, you know, um, my administrator at the end of the year said, what was the most um, beneficial thing, your biggest, greatest takeaway from this year? And also what was your greatest challenge? And I noted the greatest challenge as being, um, the kids who were fully online, um, some of them just got lost and it was so frustrating. Like if they're in front of you, I can invite them in for lunch. You know, we have, um, fast food, not too far from our building, I can, you know, invite them in for lunch, we have bought them Burger King before and sat them down, or if they want to, you know, if they want a salad, I'll make a salad for them. Um, but, you know, and and kind of to make that connection, but when you're fully online, you don't if they don't come to class, you know, and then you call home and nobody answers, it's like, you, it's hard to pull that child back in um, or that family for that for that matter. Um, so we're already trying to brainstorm some things that we can do uh, next year. We're thinking about having some, maybe some um, breakfast opportunities for parents to come in just to sit and have a cup of coffee and talk about whatever's on their mind. Very informal um, to try to make you know, and build those better connections because, um, that is the, that it was the biggest challenge is some of the kids just got a little bit lost, which we need to pull them right back in. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: The microcosm of humanity. Again. Yes. And it just, you know, the classroom has always been, you know, that manifestation of that and the pandemic, it really, I think it, here again, the good from it is that it, it, shined a light on that and everybody now understands it that there needs to be more communication more connection and that community is essential to um learning you know growing um, definitely better people together and definitely uh, so i you know i really admire and respect your school district and your school and all the things that you are doing your teachers are doing and um, I will put a link in, you know, the podcast to, to the Reuters article so they can Wonderful. know about you and your daughter. And um, so anything else you'd like to share um, that you want? I to just want to give a,
1: a huge shout out to my fellow colleagues here in the building and in this district and also across, <laughs> across the world, pretty much. Um, I just cannot say enough about the admiration I have for the hard work and dedication, um, it is a proven fact. You can look at any school across this entire nation. And it is a proven fact that when left to our own devices, we will figure anything out because we love the kids and we just want them to be successful, not just academically, but in every aspect of their lives. And, uh, at the end of the day, um, that's why we do what we do. And I thank you very much.
0: You couldn't have said it any better. So at the end I usually have like a complete the thought. And so there's no correct answer. There's no incorrect answer. It's just your own personal perspective. So you ready? I am ready. Okay. The best way to show support for
1: students is? To show them that they are loved.
0: The best way to show support for teachers is?
1: Can I use the same answer? <laughs> um, I, I think we're all um, human. Yes, <laughs> right. Again. I mean, honestly, to show them they're loved and to share a laugh. I think there's there's such value in laughing every day with one another.
0: Mm-hmm. Being vulnerable too, definitely. Looking at what's going on and saying, okay, you know, how can we make it better? We're all in yes. this together. Nobody's perfect, and um, who cares about that test?
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> true. Very true. <laughs>
0: What I want to change about the current education system is?
1: More time spent on authentic learning experiences. Um, Less pen and paper, uh, more discussion, more deep thinking, more communication. um, Because that's really what they're going to need in life. Uh, you know, it's not going to matter if they can pick an adverb out of a sentence 20 years from now, but can they write and communicate effectively? Um, And when I look at the big picture of why I do what I do in the English language arts classroom, um, like I said, I love grammar. I love literature, but I want them to be able to think and communicate. And you think about, I tell them, I was like, you know, every fight everyone gets into for the rest of your life, what does it have to do with? Probably a miscommunication. So if we can get a handle on how to effectively communicate, it's not just going to help you in your job. Um, it'll help you in your life, in every aspect of your life, in your relationships, in every aspect.
0: Mm-hmm. And it starts with feeling safe to be able to communicate that. And then, yes. you know, if it's like the little boy coming out of the classroom, my amygdala is f- firing, yes. <laughs> then <laughs> right. we, we can put a gold star there and say, you know, drop the mic. Things yes, right.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Uh my advice to a new teacher would be
1: to make sure that this is truly what you want. Because many times, if you're in this business, you will feel like it is more of a vocation and a calling than it is an occupation. Um, and so make sure that this is truly what you are willing to sign up for because it is not a nine to five, turn it off at the end of the day and go home kind of situation. It, it, your, your students and your, your job and the essence of being a teacher will always be with you every second of every day.
0: Mm-hmm. That sure will. My greatest hope for
1: all children is. That they know that they are worthy. Um, every voice matters. And I want every one of my students to know that they are capable and you know the the old adage you can do anything um they can really do what makes them happy um and they can set out to set a goal and accomplish it that they they have that that value and they can do it
0: and teachers have that power too i mean we're mental health counselors every day with children we have a choice are we going to lift the student up and have them come back later on and say that day that you said this to me or that look that you gave me was a good thing that lifted me up and kept me going sure. or was it something that scarred me and it was a trauma right, every
1: choice right. In every moment
0: and that's a lot of the whole mental health
1: I totally agree. And you know, no, none of us are perfect. And if we have those moments where we say, Oh, I should have really done that differently or said that differently. We need to learn from that. And we need to, we need to teach kids. It's okay to, as a human being to go to them and say, you know what? I messed up. I'm sorry. I owe you an apology. I lost my temper or whatever. Um, and then have a conversation and move forward. That's modeling good human interaction and behavior. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I, I still work on. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. We all do because, you know, it's okay to be imperfect. Yeah. You know, Brene Brown and the gifts of imperfection, You know, uh, another great one. Too. Another wonderful
1: so, author. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, well, Jennifer, thank you so much. You have said so many wonderful things that I know I it's going to resonate in the hearts of all, you know, all teachers. And I hope parents are listening and that they can hear you know, that beautiful song from the heart of a teacher that, you know, we're in it for the children and we have their best interests in mind and absolutely
1: their mental health. Definitely, forefront. definitely. So. Yep, for sure. And thank you so much for inviting me on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Hello again, everyone. This is your host, Linda Markley, and I'd like to invite you to nominate a teacher to be a guest on the podcast and to share their story. All you have to do is go to www.spiritofteaching.org and fill out the nomination form. Again, that's www.spiritofteaching.org. Also, please share, rate, and give some feedback to help us better serve you in the spirit of teaching. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to having you back next time on Teacher Tales.